0: Starting a new series today, this next section of the Sermon on the Mount dives deep into some personal things, that's why we're calling it Operating Room. Jesus is going to do some surgery over the next few weeks as we look at some specific issues. And as we look today, as you turn in Matthew chapter 5, we're going to start down at verse 21, it's on page 810. If you're using a Bible in the rack, uh, it's also on our website. If you want to check out all the notes in scripture, uh, dequeen.church. you can find it there. It's it's one of the, I think it's the very first card on our website. Um, Does anybody remember Flintstone Vitamins? Flintstone Vitamins, 10 million strong and growing. There you go. Uh, Flintstone, did did anybody take Flintstone Vitamins as a kid? Did anybody like them? I don't understand y'all You know It's one of those things that you get Because you see it on the commercial For me at least And I thought it was cool vitamins, it's cool But then you eat them And and I remember distinctly not liking them I don't know if it was the chalkiness I mean now they got gummy ones Where was that when I was a kid Uh, But I mean I was you know And I passed it on to my kids As you tend to do the pickiness in what you eat, whether it be the flavor or the texture or whatnot. And even now, feeding the kids, sometimes you get frustrated at some of the pickiness, uh, but inevitably they inherited that pickiness uh, from me, so they come by it naturally. Um, But I remember not liking some of the Flintstone vitamins, especially some of the different colors. And I remember when I would get some of the colors that I did not like of the Flintstone vitamins, and mom would put them out... uh, or dad would dad would make breakfast, put them out at breakfast, uh, and eat breakfast. And I would, <laughs> I'm confessing, I know mom listens to the podcast on Monday mornings, so I'm sorry, mom. Um, I remember taking those of vitamins and hiding them under the corner of my plate. And then we'd eat breakfast and get ready for school. And uh, in elementary school, we lived in uh, a city called Cleburne, Texas. Anybody ever heard of Cleburne? It is a back. It's a lot bigger now. Now it's something like I don't know, fifty, sixty thousand people, maybe more. They got a highway through it now. Back in the day, I mean, it was tiny. It was nothing. We had a football stadium, and uh, that was it. I don't even think we had a Walmart. Like we, it was nothing in Cleburne. Uh, we may have been too small for McDonald's. I don't know. It was small. Um, we live in Cleburne, Texas, and um, our, our my elementary school was right behind our house. Like we, I could walk out the back fence, and I was on the the elementary school property. It was right there. And so we'd eat breakfast and we'd walk to the elementary school. But I'd take those flistal vitamins on the way. We had the kitchen at one end of the house and then you walk through the living room and into the backyard and then onto the school. Well, I remember walking from, (laughs) I can just picture my mom seeing this now, Uh, from the kitchen and I would have the flistal vitamin in my hand and I'd walk past the couch and quickly I would Drop that of vitamin behind the couch and keep on walking like nothing happened. And as a kid, we sometimes we do this as adults too. Out of sight, out of mind. You don't think about it. It's gone. You know. I don't know if you do this in your house. Do you ever get stuff in the mail and you put it in the stack and you put it over the side and you don't think about it because you don't see it anymore and it's just there and it's not there. It's out of sight, out of mind. You don't think about it until one day you're like, "Oh no, the whole stack of junk. I know there's a bill in there somewhere. I got to go through it." Kind of thing. And so it's out of sight. It's behind the couch. I didn't think about it until one day when we were gonna move and to move you know you, you you sell the house and we're gonna pack everything up in the moving truck and then you got to vacuum the house and then clean the house and then you head down to where you're moving so we we're moving from Cleburne, texas down to pasadena texas uh down by houston from you know 45 minutes south of fort worth teeny tiny town to a massive suburb of you know the fourth largest city in the country it's huge at least in the way we perceive it and uh so i my first thought that comes in my mind as we start to clean and move things is all those vitamins are behind the couch. I gotta figure this out because we pull that couch out. I gotta hide those vitamins so I don't get in trouble. And uh, of course, as a as a kid, I'm not really strong enough to move the couch. Um, but I'm trying to figure out how I can do this. And they move the couch, and and there's like you know several dozen. Flintstone vitamins behind the couch that have gathered dust and are now, I mean, not that they you know, were great before, but now they're just, you know, you don't want to even touch them now. Uh, and um, instinctively, you know, have, being the oldest, I blame my younger siblings. It was them. They, I ate mine. I was a good kid. They, it was all their fault. They, they, they're, they're of the devil, and they put them there. And, but, of course, mom saw through that, and it was all me. But, uh, but you got to sometimes not just physically in our houses, but spiritually sometimes, we need to move stuff around within us in order to clean what we don't wanna think about. To clear out the mess that we've just left there and not really touched. It's been gathering dust, some of it may be rotting and really poisoning our soul and it's just there and we don't wanna think about it and we don't wanna touch it and we know it's there, we've shut the door, we put the rug on top of it and we just don't wanna deal with it because it's too messy. We don't really want to even give it to Jesus because to give it to Jesus means we've got to bring it back up again. We don't. It's like an open wound and we don't want to go there. But in order to clean it out, you've got to move some stuff and allow Jesus to take care of the mess. And that's what he's going to do today. He's going to dive right into some personal issues of spiritual cleanliness here in Matthew chapter 5. So just to recap our context Jesus is up in the hilly country, and he's teaching, you know, I mean, who knows, hundreds of people, possibly thousands of people. He's got his close disciples around him, and he's got all these other people who want to be disciples, who want to be followers of Jesus. And so he starts this, the longest teaching we have of his in scripture, and he's kind of outlining what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus. He's telling all of these hundreds or thousands of people, okay, you want to follow me? Good. This is what it looks like. This is what you should be living like. And he dives right into some hardcore stuff here. Verse 21 of Matthew 5. Jesus says, You've heard it said, or you have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to the judgment, will be punished. Right? Can we all agree? Murder is bad. Some of you aren't raising your hand or nodding. We have, where's the security team? We need some help over here. Murder's bad, all right? And, you know, with Jesus, sin is sin, irregardless of what it is, because any sin, from a lie to murder, separates us from God. And so any sin does that. But Jesus also knows the nature of of us, of people, of humans. And even though he doesn't classify sin in that way, we do. We classify some as worse than others. Well, at least I didn't kill anybody today, you know? At least I didn't, I'm not as bad as that guy. And so we classify it in our minds. And Jesus knows this, even though he doesn't do it. And so what he does strategically in his teaching is he starts off here with the personal stuff with the bad of the bad. Knowing the crowd he's talking to, there's probably not a murderer in there. Knowing there's probably not somebody who just, had just killed somebody and came straight there. There. Knowing that, and so he starts right off. You've heard that it was said to those of old, to the law, the people who have the law, don't murder, and whoever murders will be punished. And this is the way he's going to teach here for the next little bit. Verse 22 But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment, whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, those are the judges. Whoever says, you fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. That's pretty intense. I mean, it starts if you're angry at all with your brother. Now, this is, it is biological, brother, but it's also ethnic, it's also cultural, it's also spiritual. If you're angry with your brother, and for in our case, it would be spiritual brothers and sisters. Anybody that, that you're you know related to in that sense, if you're angry with them okay? Just angry. I'm ask you to raise your hand. You ever been angry with another Christian? I will. I have. Some of you did. Okay, good. I like you. I have, honestly. And he says, he's equating murder to these three things he lists. If you're angry with any of your brothers or sisters, Christians, then he says, whoever insults his brother, insults his brother. Whoever says something negative about them. Again, don't raise your hand. Anybody ever insulted them? Even not out loud, in your mind. You ever said something in your mind about somebody else, insulted them? And then he says this last one, look at this one. Whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. Now this is, you know, that's not really a phrase we say very much. You fool, I mean, maybe you do. (laughs) I don't. But there's a lot of implication in that phrase, particularly when Jesus is saying this in the first century. This, this was talking about somebody that, yes, they lacked brains, that they were not very smart, uh, but it was also um, saying something about their character, that they were an immoral person in the way they acted and lived. You were, you were making a comment about the type of human being they are, you know, uh, damaging their reputation. And so Jesus says these things. If you're angry with them, if you insult them, if you uh, say, if you call them this name in a negative fashion and uh, draw you know, aspersions on their character, he says, then that's the same as killing them. It's, it, it is a sin and it's bad and, and it's, it's messing with your spirit and your soul. Now, Jesus isn't necessarily giving a new rule here against anger and negative comments. Adding to the, you know, do not murder scenario. Uh, he's not giving a new rule. He, he, what he's um, talking about uh, is that we need to allow our hearts to be sifted by God, we need to allow our hearts to be filtered by God. You see, murder stems from anger. Anger is the base root. And so Jesus is saying, if that is, is the ultimate you know, end result uh, to the extreme, if we would just kill this thing at the beginning, this anger issue, then it would not only never get there, but it would prevent all kinds of evil from happening around us. Anybody ever been angry before? Ever? Yeah. Now... There's different kinds of anger, and he's going to talk about that in a second. But this anger issue is something that we all deal with. It's something that's deep within us that we sometimes don't even see it, don't even realize it's there. Sometimes we're, we're frustrated and irritated and don't even know why. Somebody can ask us this happened to me, why are you so frustrated? I don't even know, I just am. More often than not, that's because there's some unresolved anger just lying under the surface that we've never dealt with, and it's bubbling up in the, within us, and, and, and we're just allowing it to lash out at everyone around us, to spill over onto everyone around us. We've got to allow God to take care of the mess within us. And there was one of the commentators I read this week in talking about this. says said something truly revelatory. You know, Jesus talking specifically about how we treat other Christians. If you're angry towards them, if you insult them, if you if you say something negative about their character, why would who am I to extend wrath towards someone from whom God's own wrath was withheld? Do I think I know more than God or am better than God? Or or are more just than God? I I read that and I thought, whoa, I gotta back up a second. That's that's pretty harsh. I mean, because really when I would extend wrath towards someone that God withheld his wrath from a fellow believer, who am I to do that? to put myself in the place of God and say, "God, you don't know what you're talking about. They deserve anger. they deserve wrath. They deserve whatever I am going to pour forth from them with the fires that come from me." And God says, "No, no, 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 back up. You're missing the point here. He's talking about this anger this deep anger that seeps into us and has far reaching implications because look at what he's talking about he's mentioned in this entire passage anger has can can affect our actions ultimately in murder anger can affect our thoughts I mean, that's just the whole idea of anger. That's where it starts, in our thoughts and in our words, by the insults he talks about, by saying, you fool. So it, it affects everything. It affects our actions. It affects our mind. It affects our, our, our words. And we've got to cut it off at the beginning, otherwise it will change everything. I mean, we've seen it in our culture. I was, I was um, watching an interview the other day between two guys talking about uh, how angry our culture's become. As social media has become more prevalent, everybody feels they have a voice that deserves to be heard and that voice, more often than not, is anger. Anger at politics, anger at somebody who, who forgot to put a comma in their, in their posts on Facebook and it changed the whole tenor of what they were trying to say and they were eviscerated in the comments because they forgot a comma. I mean, we're just so angry all of the time and wanna spew that anger onto anybody. And everybody, and Jesus says, we've got to stop that mess. I had this thought, this imagery came to my mind. I've got this kettle in my office. I make tea before I speak, help, uh, help my voice a little bit. But you know, this you can see it's got some water in it, just over a liter. That's how we measure things in America. Um, and you've got to plug it in. But the, even though it's got power and it's got water, it's got every component in there to get some hot water. But it's not going to get hot water until it's triggered. It's got this little button on the back. It'll turn blue. Maybe. I didn't test this. We'll see. Hey, there we go. That once it's triggered, it's going to start to get hot. It's plugged into power. The power feeds the kettle. The kettle's got the components in it to get hot. But it's not going to start to get hot until it's triggered. Now, we know within all of us, we all have different triggers. We all have different triggers. It could be a word somebody says. It could be the way somebody, you know, the tone in which they say it. It could be the body language somebody's having. And it just sets us off about something in our past. Somebody says, man, you're just like your mom. Whoa, and that just takes us down a whole new rabbit hole we didn't want to go down. Somebody could say, I can't believe, and they would say a word that y'all had a discussion about in the past, and they say that word again, or they say, you never so-and-so. You always dot, dot, dot. And it just triggers something, and you lose it, and you can feel it bubbling up within you. Now, every time you see that person in the future, the bubbling is always there right below the surface. It's always going. I don't know if you can hear it. I can hear it going get my mic down here, you can hear it going. And it's just just getting ready to explode, getting ready to boil up. And if you fill this thing up with water all the way to the top, as it boils, the water's going to shoot out and spill over everything that's around it. It's going to keep getting hotter and keep going and keep bubbling up. Every time that trigger comes, it's going to get you. Every time that trigger comes, you're going to just spew. Every time you see that one person make that one political post, you're just going to, even though you may not comment back in your mind, you are saying all kinds of stuff about that person. You're making all kinds of you know, things in your head about who that person is and the way they were raised and this, that, and the other thing. And they don't know what they're talking about. They just watch that one channel on, the, on cable and that's where they get all the information and obviously, obviously they're wrong and, and you're just going crazy about these things. And it's bubbling and it's getting hotter within us. But the thing is, when we're focused on those things and we're allowing those things to get us hotter, we're not focused on Jesus. We're not focused on Jesus. We're not focused on Jesus. You say, oh, but Jesus got mad. Did he? Yeah, he went in the temple and he flipped those tables. Yeah, but if you go and read those scriptures, it doesn't actually say he was mad when he did it. We take our emotion and apply it to his action. He may have been righteously angry, but the scripture doesn't say it. He just walked in there, saw people doing things that they should not have been doing in the name of God. And he says, no, guys, don't do this. And he turned over their tables and and kicked some of them out. But we have issue and we try to put it on Jesus. Well, I'm just being righteously angry at that company that put that extra line item on my bill, and I'm going to call them and give them a piece of my mind. And they're going to get it. I'm going to ask for their supervisor, and their supervisor, and their supervisor. Well, did you ever tell any of those supervisors about Jesus, or were you just screaming at the phone? Now, I'm not just laying it on you, all right? When I first moved to the Queen, I mean, Jessica will tell you, I was on the phone with... The internet company let's make it generic every single day <laughs> not yelling or screaming, but trying to get better service uh, and it has to be a check even in my own spirit like is does this person on the other phone on the other end of the phone deserve my wrath over the one meg internet we're supposed to be getting and we're not. No. And where in the scripture does it guarantee my one meg internet? It doesn't. They need grace just like I need grace. And how I respond, even in a situation that I feel I'm justified to respond in, should not be bubbling up. I should not allow it to get to this point, to start the bubble, to be triggered by that issue like, it, it, it got to a point, hey, Caleb, we have my phone. It's right, it's right there under the bulletin. I don't know if you guys have this app on your phone. Like, it got to a point to where, especially with the Internet thing, man, I would come in every day, and I would open up the speed test app. Anybody got that on your phone? I saw some of you look at somebody sitting down the row from you. Immediately, boom. And I'd look at that. And it, you know, at the time we were, we, we, we I think we had one meg internet at the time, you know, and it wouldn't jump up above like one tenth. And I was like, oh, I can't believe it! Are you kidding me? I go, Jessica, give me that number again. What's our account number? I'm calling them and getting this deal. And it was that was my trigger. I had to delete the app. I had to delete it and say, no, I am. This is, this is bad news. I can't focus on studying scripture. I can't focus on calling those people. I can't focus on visiting that. I'm just going crazy about the internet. I'm calling the other internet company in town saying, how can we get a line to the church? Because there's not a line. That you're in. How, we, how much would it cost if we put up a pole out here and drug it from across the street? We did. We had somebody come out and look. And it's astronomical, so we didn't do that. But I thought, this is just, and then I just had to sit down and say, that's even worth it. That was just, and that's just one trigger. We've all got them. Obviously, I know some of you, the Internet's your trigger, because I saw the pit way your family members were looking at you. <laughs> even now, I'll get up in the morning sometimes, and I'll hit that test the speed test at my house. And, it's, and, we're, and our Internet's way faster than one meg, and it's like half what, I, what we're paying for, and I'm thinking, it's half what I'm paying for, and I'm paying for this, and, and it's in the middle of the, you know, it's like, 5 AM. Nobody's using internet right now. And I'm not using the internet, but I want it to be what I'm paying for, and it's a trigger. And I know it's a trigger, and I got to shut that down. And when it triggers, it's still gonna bubble, and it's still that's hot, and it's still gonna get going. But if I cut the power, then whether the thing's triggered or not, it's not gonna affect what's going on inside. But I've got to cut the power. Because, as we saw last week, you know, if I allow the power to run to this and allow my trigger to go off and I get set off, then I'm not doing what happened in the scripture immediately preceding this. I'm not being what Jesus said I was the light of the world. Hey, Caleb, hand me that right there. Thank you. You see, If my anger is plugged into the power and it's already triggered, the second I plug it into the power within me, it's going to start bubbling up and getting ready to boil over. But if I take the power away from the anger and plug in the light of the world that Jesus has put inside me, then the anger stops and I'm representing Jesus everywhere I go. That doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It's not as easy as unplugging a cord and plugging another cord in. It's not. But we've all got issues with this, all of us, all of us. You say, well, I know so-and-so, and and they don't deal with anger, and they're just awesome and perfect. Well, you don't see behind the scenes. You don't know. It's there. We all deal with this in one way or another. And how we deal with it is a representation of, of Are we lighting the world for Christ or not? Jesus said, you are the light of the world. So we all have, as Christians, as believers, this capability within us. But whether or not we light the world is up to our response. What are we allowing to receive the power? Our anger or the spirit that's been given us? And so Jesus is teaching this in a very general sense He's going to give an example in just a minute, but the Apostle Paul takes this teaching and he gets very specific and practical in Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4 verse 29. Paul actually refers to anger as an opportunity for Satan. And he says this in verse 29, so when you're angry, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now, I want you to notice something. Paul says, let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Anything harmful, don't let any harmful words come out of your mouth. But only let come out of your mouths that which is good for building up, for encouraging every time it is needed, that it may give grace to everyone who hears. And that verse 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God. So what he's saying is when harmful words come out of us, it is grieving the Holy Spirit. It is grieving the heart of God. Harmful words spring from anger and grieve the heart of God. Verse 31. He's going to list. Now, as we get into this list, he's going to give us. These are different kinds of anger. All right? I'm going to break it down for you in just a second, but we're going to read it. So let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender hearted. That's compassionate forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Now, verse 31, these are these different kinds of anger that we need to be aware of and watch out for. Let all bitterness, bitterness is when we've allowed anger and unforgiveness to settle within us. And it's like when you take milk and just set it on the counter and think it'll be good in a month and a half. It's not going to be good in a month and a half. It's going to spoil and it's going to stink up the whole place. That's what it does when you take anger and you don't let Jesus take care of it. You don't let Jesus clean it out. It's going to spoil and ruin everything in there. you got to take it and clean it and fumigate the place to to remove any element of that stink within you. And bitterness is a stink and it spoils you. So let all bitterness be done away with. All wrath, that is destructive anger. Anger that seeks to tear others down, to, to tear situations down, or physically a place down, destructive anger. And then just anger itself, just any kind of anger that that, poils, that 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 pours through our mind and comes out in our thoughts, in our words, in our actions. And then clamor. I love this one. Clamor. This is loud anger so that others know why you're angry. You might know somebody like that. They just like to be angry and let it be loud so that everyone can know why they're mad, why they're angry, and what the situation is, and know all the, you know, the sordid details of the, of the issue. So he says, uh, you know, bitterness, a- uh, destructive anger, anger, loud anger, and then slander. This is This is anger that comes out in insults that Uh, uh, would harm somebody else's reputation intentionally saying things about someone else because of how you feel about them that makes someone else see them in a negative light and just in case he didn't cover everything in those he says and also all malice so anything else that would be covered under the basis of anger that is intentional and uh, would seek to malign somebody else or some situation that it covers everything else so bitterness destructive anger, anger, loud anger, and then slanderous anger and malice. He says, "Put all of that away. Unplug the power to all of that." And instead, as you shine your light verse 32, "Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, compassionate, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you." You see what those things are in verse 32 that he describes. Kindness compassion, forgiveness. That is the heart of God. That is living out God's love. God loved us, and so he forgave us. God loved us, and he gave us kindness. God loved us and showed us compassion in the grace and mercy that he continually offers without a cap. It's the love of God. And so when we apply the love of God to our spirit Everything changes. When we apply the love of God and shine the light of Christ to the world, it unplugs the power from the anger and lets us shine. But what we have to do is is apply the love of God. When we apply the love of God to any form of anger that he lists there, what that does is it redeems my mind, it redeems my words, it redeems my actions, and it purges me from the mess, from the anger. But we have to apply the love of God to the anger. We have to apply the love of God to our very spirit. But the problem is, oftentimes, I don't know how you work, but oftentimes I don't apply the love of God to my anger. Sometimes I'll compartmentalize my brain and take the Jesus part that should be permeating everything and shove him to one side and allow the anger to flow out. And I don't think about Jesus in the moments when I'm mad. I mean, who does, right? When I'm saying whatever, or when I'm doing whatever, or or when I'm thinking whatever. But we need to allow Him access to everything. And honestly, if you really think about it, about the emotion when you get angry, not just the anger emotion but physiologically what's going on inside of you, and why is the anger a lot of times there just under the surface depending on the season of life we're in? You want to know the truth? Some of us are straight addicted, not just to anger, but to the feeling we get, the endorphins that are released. When we spew it onto somebody else and allow them then to take that burden, and we feel better. We feel better. We feel You know, like we have a just cause and we're going to get mad about it and we're just going to go off because we've been offended or whatever and this person has come after us and we're going to go and do and say and defend ourselves. And that addiction kicks in and we feel justified in striking back. And we feel good about the fact that we struck back. But when we do that, we're not shining our light at all. When we do that, we're shining ourselves. We're plugging our anger into the power and not the light of Jesus. We intentionally turn off Jesus so that we can spew the anger out or the insults or the negativity. Anger is a destructive addiction that can only be severed by the love of Jesus. You can't, there's not enough self-discipline in the world to be able to overpower it. Because the enemy is going to come and he's going to bring it up again. And he's going to hit you and hit you and then he's going to set off that trigger that triggered you in the past and you're just going to lose it. Speaking from experience, you're just gonna, it's going to go. It's, it's going to happen. It's a destructive addiction. Only through Jesus can it be severed. Only through Jesus. We need Jesus to be able to unplug the power from the anger and plug in the light of Jesus. I don't want to see y'all nudging your spouse next to you because some of you, this is you just as much as it's them. You're thinking, man, I wish so-and-so, I'm going to share this sermon when it goes online this afternoon to so-and-so's page because they need to hear this because this is all about their mess. But truth, it's all about us, too. If we're thinking it's about somebody else, well, then it's in you, too, and you just don't want to, you're compartmentalizing that, and you're shutting that mess into a closet because you don't want to deal with it. You say, man, I don't deal with anger. I don't. I don't. Well, maybe it's been pushed down so much and so far, you don't realize it's still there, and it's spoiling everything. These harmful words, these harmful thoughts, this destruction, that's in you and Jesus is the only way that that can be stopped and in his teaching in Matthew 5 he knows the power of anger is so deep and so far-reaching and so he continues his teaching in Matthew 5 and gives an example look at verse 23 he says so it's Matthew 5 verse 23 so if if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you. Leave your gift there before the altar, and go and first be reconciled to your brother, your fellow Christian. And then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly while you're with your accuser, while you were with going with him to court, lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge to the guard, and you be put in prison. Truly I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. He says, If you're going to church. in in their context, bringing this offering, bringing something into the presence of God and offering it to him. And you remember that your brother has something against you if your brother's angry at you. Now, that doesn't mean everyone who's angry against you is justified in their anger, has something right to be angry about. But what's implied by what Jesus is saying uh, in the language he uses is when he says they have something against you, What's implied is that this is a legitimate grievance. Like They have a reason to be angry. You sinned against them, did something intentional against them, and and you have messed them up. You're the one who triggered them. Never mind if they should have unplugged the power to their anger. You did it. He says, if you realize that you have, have introduced anger into the world, you need to stop and go and fix it. Go and fix it as best you can, as best you can. Scripture says uh, we need to be at peace with everyone as far as it depends on us. We can't control the way they act, but we can control the way we act. And so we go and we try and, and try to be the light of Jesus, apologize. I was absolutely in the wrong. I should never have said that. I should never have done that. I should absolutely have done this, and I am abs- completely sorry. I, 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 Jesus has, has already been dealing with me, and, and I'm sorry. And try to inject the love of Jesus into the situation. Because what Jesus is teaching is that unresolved anger affects everything. We can't have undefiled worship if there's still unresolved anger within us. We can't. It's impossible to do that. We can't go on, on, on living with unresolved anger and try to offer undefiled worship to God because it doesn't happen We can try to close off that part of our brain and only think about Jesus in the moment. And then, you know, we were fighting on the way to church, we're gonna do Jesus, and then in two hours we're gonna go home and the fight's gonna start again. We just have a temporary reprieve, and then we're gonna hit it. It gives me two more hours to think of stuff I'm gonna say when we get back. Jesus says, no. Compartmentalization's a myth. If it's in you, it's gonna affect everything. You can't just shut it off and act like it's not going to affect the other stuff. It is. It is. Every single time. It's going to affect everything. Our insides affect our outsides. The thoughts and emotions that we have not surrendered to God wreak havoc throughout everything we are. Through our households, through our friendships, through our thought processes. And messes up who God designed us to be what ends up happening is those thoughts, those emotions, that anger. That anger, it limits our strength. It limits our peace. It limits the amount of God's spirit or the amount of what God's spirit can do within us. What we know from scripture, from the words of Jesus, from the demonstration in Acts 2, from the words of the apostle Paul, is that if you believe in Jesus, you have God's spirit with you. However, God's Spirit doesn't always fill you, doesn't always fill you. The space within us that should be occupied by his Spirit guiding us, bringing us peace, bringing us comfort, is oftentimes occupied by something else. We give our attention our spiritual attention to other things and not the spirit of God and in so doing, allow those things to fill us up while compressing God's spirit and not allowing him to fill us up. Paul tells us, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Get that mess out and be filled with his spirit. Don't be filled with the other stuff because the other stuff's gonna bubble out and it's gonna mess everybody else around you but if you turn your light on and you're filled with God's spirit, you're gonna shine his light to the world. And you're going to change their reality if you introduce God's Spirit to them. To them. Jesus is saying that possessing any active levels of anger in you or leveled against you in a legitimate fashion, that limits our worship. It limits our worship. And I know for a fact a bunch of us walked in this room with limited worship. Not able to worship in spirit and truth because we still had anger flowing because of something our boss did this week, something our spouse did yesterday at lunch, something our kid did in the car on the way here, or while you were getting breakfast ready and you had to wipe up all the syrup. Not speaking from personal experience, but you never know. And you never know, and you have to deal with that and empty it and unplug that power so that the anger... (laughs) The anger will stop. That doesn't mean you're not going to be tempted. That doesn't mean, because if you do this right now, what I'm, what I'm suggesting, and, and allow the Spirit of God to fill you up, and you unplug the power from the anger, and you, you, you plug in the power to the, to the light that God has placed within you in Jesus, the second you get home, Satan's ready for you. He's ready. He's already getting his guys ready right now because you're already thinking, man, I need to focus on Jesus and I need to do this thing and I need to follow him and unplug the power to my anger. He's already got some strategy set up this afternoon. You're going to go out in the hallway, somebody's going to say something. You're going to get in your car, somebody's going to say something. These are all minor things, but they're going to build. And then you get home this afternoon and you get a text or a phone call, you're thumbing Facebook, and somebody's going to hit that trigger. Somebody's going to hit that trigger. It's going to go off. Because Satan knows you're right now and you're ready to follow Jesus. And if you follow Jesus, the amount of spiritual strength and power that will be accessible to you will change the world. And he doesn't want that. And so he's going to set up these these little roadblocks here and here and here, getting ready. So he can just pull that trigger and set you off. Even though a lot of those little roadblocks that are set up don't even know that they're messing you up. They have no idea that those things are triggers for you. Have no idea. And so we aim our anger at the individuals all the while it's the enemy who's messing us up. It's the enemy who's messing us up. Yeah, but so-and-so said this and they know that that gets me riled up. Yeah, but it's still the enemy. Your spouse isn't your enemy. Somebody needs to hear me right now. Your spouse is not your enemy. Your kids are not your enemy. They're not. Your boss is not your enemy. The president is not your enemy. The myriad of Democratic candidates for president are not your enemy. The fear you face of what it will look like after the election If it comes from the enemy, then he's your enemy. Not those other things. Not them. Not those things. Our enemy is not flesh and blood. But the powers, the principalities, it's not flesh and blood. It's Satan. That's who it is. We can misdirect and we can do all this, but we missed the point. C.S. Lewis wrote about it in screw tape letters, that if you, you know, that uh, to try to get, it's about one demon writing to another demon about how to tempt this one guy, and he wants to get this guy to turn away from God, and he, he instructs the younger demon to do it by getting him distracted, by getting him to turn his eyes away from the truth of what's really going on. What's really going on in the spiritual world is that the enemy wants to mess up your life. He wants to mess up your family. He wants to get you distracted, to get you to turn your light off and plug the power back into your anger, because that will prevent our effectiveness for Jesus. And if he can do that, he'll do anything and everything, using anybody and everybody to mess you up, because he's been doing this a long time. And whether you want to admit it or not, he's really good at tempting He's really good at it. And he'll put all those little things in your path in order to pull the trigger on you this afternoon. And we've got to unplug the power so that when he pulls that trigger, nothing happens. And he can flip that switch all he wants. But if the power is not plugged in, nothing's happening. All that we're doing is shining a light to every single person, shining a light. That's our responsibility. That's where we're supposed to be pursuing. And we need to allow God. We need to allow God's spirit access to everything within us. Even that stuff that triggers our anger that may have happened 50 years ago. Move the couch. Give it to Jesus. And let him take it. Because you can't, you don't have strength enough to unplug the plug by yourself. You can't. If you try to yank on it, it's still going to be receiving power. And somebody's going to say that thing that was, that was a trigger to you because emotionally something happened to you several decades ago and you don't even realize it because you don't want to deal with it. And you put a rug over it and you push the couch up against it spiritually and you just left it over there and you don't even look over there anymore because you don't want to think about it. Even just a slight thought and you just shut that down, Woo, almost lost that lamp, <laughs> and you just shut that down you say, man, I'm not going there. no we're not even going to talk about this this group of people's talking about i'm going to go over here because i don't know that mm -mm, mm -mm. we go that mess and i'm just going to go and i'm going to go somewhere emotionally i don't want to go so i'm going to shut it down and then somebody will say to us at some point in the future why why, why are you acting that way i don't want to talk about it something happened way back so i don't want to talk about it you know where we get the thought i don't want to talk about that's the enemy he knows if you don't talk about it, you won't deal with it. if you won't deal with it, it will poison your insides and you'll pass it on to somebody else. And you just give it away. We mentioned it last week. You'll give it away generationally. Because if you don't deal with it, you will pass it on. And so you've got to deal with it. Move the couch. Clean out the mess. Allow Jesus to clean out the mess. And then you can push it back and life will be different. Completely different. Completely different if you allow him to clean it out. It may, it may be painful cleaning that mess out because it's stuff that you've suppressed for a long time and you haven't wanted to talk about it for a long time. You haven't wanted <laughs> Some of you people right now are avoiding our small groups because you don't want anybody to get personal with you. And some of you right now, Jesus has been talking to you. And when you walk in that small group class, whatever that teacher prepared, you say, I need to share something. And I need you people to pray for me right now. That's why these things exist for growth, for, for betterment, for strength. It's not some time where we can go in a room and spout a bunch of facts about a bunch of things. And, you know, facts don't change lives, Jesus changes lives. And we go in there and we say, man, I am struggling with this. People in that room aren't going to go talking about you behind your back. Even if they did, what does it matter? But they're not. They're going to bring the throne room of Jesus into your heart, and it's going to change your life. You say, yeah, but I'm going to cry. I want people to see me cry. Why? Why? What does that matter? Jesus cried. Jesus strongest human being ever lived, created everything with his thoughts. He wept several times. That doesn't matter. That's an emotional reaction to something that's going on. If you need to cry, cry. Let it out. Cry. Allow them to pray over you, and then the Spirit of God to purge you of the stuff that you haven't wanted to deal with. That doesn't mean you're not going to get tempted this afternoon or tomorrow. Or somebody's going to bring it up and there's still not going to be pain still there. It is. It is. But knowing and having the power of God strengthen you will lessen it and lessen it and lessen it and lessen it. It will take some time. But it will be completely different than what it was yesterday if you start today. Allow Jesus to unplug that power so that you can shine your light. Allow him to permeate you and change you. And so you have to ask yourself this question. Do I want deliverance today? Do I want deliverance today? Do I want to unplug the power source that's feeding this unresolved anger? Maybe your anger, the root cause is fear because of something that's happened and and, and you don't want to go there either. Do you want to stop the fear? Pray, share, have others pray. Maybe it's what we need to do right now in just a minute when I, when I pray and say amen, you need to walk across this room and grab somebody else and say, hey, I need prayer about this. I, I, I don't have time to elaborate. This is the issue. I desperately need prayer about this issue, about this. Don't think about what somebody's going to think about you coming down front and praying. Don't think about how they're going to respond or that person you're sitting next to is going to respond. Just just pray and allow Jesus to change you. Because that argument that's going on in your head, you know where that's coming from? The enemy. Remember, he's doing everything possible to keep you from shining the light of Jesus, from extending the power of Jesus into the influence, the circle of influence, the realm that he's handed you. So let's remove it together, and we're going to take the queen in the name of Jesus when we release this stuff, release his hold on us, release the power that the enemy has. Some of us, this may be a breakthrough for our families, and our homes will never be the same because of the anger that's released today. So do you want deliverance from your anger today? Deliverance from the anger in your life, in, in, in your marriage, in your home, your job, your relationships, your politics. You need Jesus. More Jesus, more peace. More Jesus, more release. More Jesus, more spirit, more life. Abundance. Maybe you need more Jesus today because you need him for the first time. Maybe your anger's been bubbling up for so long because you don't have access to Jesus You may have had access to knowledge. You may know this, that, and the other thing. You've heard Linus say his thing about Jesus at Christmas, but you don't know Jesus. And if you want to know him, know him, and allow him in to your life, you just believe that Jesus is God's son, that he died so all your sins would be forgiven, and then he rose from the dead so that you can live after you die. And then you're a Christian, you're saved. And no one can take that away from you. You can't even take that away from you. It's yours for all time, for eternity. And if you want to believe in that, I'd ask you to come and find myself or Micah. Even on our website, there's a little card that says, I made a decision. Fill that deal deal out and we'll call you. Pray with you. Meet with you. So that any opportunity, we, we want you to know Jesus. Catch us after the service. Know Jesus today. Embrace Jesus today. Find deliverance through Jesus today.